left on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. One, two, three. Bullshit. Welcome to the Tide Run Podcast. I'm your host, David Bethay, coming to you today from the Fritz Pollard Studios to talk to you about the NFL's history of black head coaches and why, upon much research on my part, it is way worse than you think. If you're new to the show, please subscribe on your local podcasting platform. You can follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. You can always email us, tideronsports at gmail.com. So for those of you that are regular listeners, you know I typically try to focus on Atlanta sports and college football, but there's a few reasons that I'm bringing this topic up now. One is obviously the ongoing lawsuit with Brian Flores, who is a black head coach, formerly of the Miami Dolphins, was fired after two consecutive winning seasons, and is now suing the NFL for what he claims are racist and discriminatory hiring practices, specifically against a couple of teams that he has interviewed with. Second is if you follow our Facebook page, I've been posting a lot of black history nuggets related to major sports like football, basketball, and baseball. And I've been shocked at seeing how far the NFL is behind these other leagues in their first for black managers, coaches, and GMs. It's alarming. And third, there was an article published on Monday by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on the hiring trends among black head coaches in Georgia high school football. And so all of these factors together got my brain spiraling to the point where I had to sit down, do some research, hammer out some facts, and kind of draw my own conclusions about whether or not there is legitimacy to the perceived discrepancy in black hiring and football in general, and specifically in the NFL because the NFL has such good data on this. And I sat down with a semi-neutral approach, kind of thinking, yeah, the NFL probably hasn't done a great job, but can you really prove that it's discriminatory? And I finished thinking, holy crap, the NFL has so blatantly bungled hiring, firing, and promotion of black coaches. It, it's amazing. And so I'm about to go through some data. It's a lot. I will also post this on our website And I will post a link to this on Facebook and Twitter because it's a lot to digest. But I'm going to hit you with just some facts about the way the NFL has done their hiring practices and some trends among NFL coaches. I have sources for some of it. Some of the stuff is very hard to find sources for, so I won't give you the sources for all of it. But I promise you this is the best, most reliable data I could find. So starting off in general with the U.S. population, the U.S. population is 12.4% black. Roughly 41 million people in the U.S. are black. About 70% of the NFL is black. So you're talking about roughly 1,200 players on NFL rosters are black. 70% of the league, which is obviously an over-representation when compared to the general population of the U.S. Now, here's where it gets interesting. There is no, like, agreed-upon percentage of how many assistant coaches in the NFL are black, but the best number I can find is that it's about 35%. That was the number that I saw most often. So I did a lot of research on this, and the NFL actually releases their own diversity report every year, which I was able to pull a lot of information for. But a typical NFL staff has 20 to 25 coaches. When you consider all of the analysts, interns, all those other things, typical staff has 20 to 25 coaches times 32 teams. So you have roughly 800 assistant coaches in the NFL. About 35% of those coaches are black, which is roughly about 280. All right. So in 2021, 
29% of the NFL's coordinators, which we know are the top assistant coaches, were black. So out of 63 coordinators in the NFL coming into the 2021 season, 18 were black. So it goes from 70% of the players to 35% of the coaches to about 29% of the coordinators. From 2012 to 2021, which is when the NFL started their diversity reports and started, reports and started tracking this data, 51 of the 128 coordinators that were hired were black. So basically, in the last nine years, about 40% of the coordinators being hired were black. So that's a good number. That's good representation. Not completely equal to the player population, but it really isn't going to be. And I'll explain why it wouldn't be in a second. In that same time, only 17% of the head coaching hires in the NFL were black coaches. So from 2012 to 2021, 40% of the coordinator hires are black, but only 17% of the coaching hires are black. So we know that coordinators are the ones that get head coaching jobs. And for whatever reason, black coordinators aren't getting these jobs at the same rate as white coordinators. So only 11 of 62 head coaching hires from 2012 to 2021 went to black coaches. The NFL has had 24 black head coaches in league history. Currently, there are two. Levy Smith. And Mike Tomlin. And then you have Mike McDaniel, the surprisingly biracial coach that replaced Brian Flores as head coach of the Miami Dolphins. But that's another story for another time. Interesting fact that I did not know until recently. The first black head coach of the modern era in the NFL was Art Shell, and he was hired in 1989. Fritz Pollard is actually the first black head coach who was hired in the 1920s, but it was when football was a completely different game. So they kind of point to Art Shell as being the first coach hired in the modern era. He's kind of the one that broke the quote-unquote color barrier for head coach in the NFL. Now, here's what's interesting about this. The first black MLB manager was Frank Robinson in 1975. The first black NBA coach was Bill Russell as a player coach for the Boston Celtics in 1966. So you had the NFL... 14 years behind Major League Baseball in hiring black head coaches. And, what, 23 years behind the NBA in hiring black head coaches. Another predominantly black league. Now, moving up the chain, there are currently seven black general managers in the NFL, which is the highest of all time in the league. That is 22% of the league's general managers. That is great representation. Higher than the head coaching representation, which is just wacky. Typically, the number of black general GMs has fluctuated between about two and five over the last 20 years. And I say 20 years because the league's first black GM wasn't hired until 2002, and that was Ozzie Newsom, who will go down as probably one of the best GMs in NFL history. By comparison, the first black Major League Baseball GM was Bill Lucas, who actually was the general manager for our Atlanta Braves, and he was hired in 1976. And the first GM in the NBA that was black was Wayne Embry, who was hired in 1972. So here again, you have the NFL nearly 30 years behind the other major sports leagues in hiring black general managers. It's absurd. And when you look at these trends, you just wonder, why is the NFL a predominantly black league so far behind? I don't know the answer. But this is one of the questions that we're asking. And one of the reasons that this is so alarming is that you see this really severe lack of representation from players to assistant coaches 
to head coaches, and for the most part to GMs. Now, one of the reasons that I don't ever expect to see the NFL as a 70% black assistant coach league is because guys that are still playing aren't coaching. So the 70% of the NFL that's actually on rosters are guys that aren't in the coaching pool. Think about a guy like Kirby Smart, who graduated from the University of Georgia and immediately goes into becoming a grad assistant. And now Kirby, in his mid to late 40s, is 25 years into his coaching career. Whereas someone like Eric Bandemi, who played for a very long time in the NFL, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but he's probably 15 or 16 years in his coaching career. And you do have to work your way up the ladder in most cases. I'll tell you what the exceptions are in a second here. So think about this. Considering the number of players that are currently in the NFL and that let's say that those players retire in their early 30s, mid-30s, they then have to work their way up the ladder getting jobs as quality control, analysts, assistants, then moving up to coordinators, and then applying for head coaching jobs. And again, in most years, you're talking about maybe four to eight head coaching jobs available. So even if you're a great candidate, there's other great candidates being interviewed, so you just may not get a job that year even if you are a highly qualified candidate. So I don't necessarily ever expect to see a point where the league is 70% black assistant coaches, and I certainly don't ever expect that it to be 50% black head coaches, but you would like to see that number increase to be a little bit more representative of the player population. And we do know this, that the overwhelming majority of black coaches in the NFL were former NFL players. I don't have the exact percentage, but it is an overwhelming majority. So I told you there were some exceptions to people having to work their way up the chain of command to move from coordinator to head coach. Most of those exceptions include cases of nepotism, the good old-fashioned, good old boy network. So this is interesting. There are 63 total NFL coaches, this is from 2021, 63 total NFL coaches who are biologically related to other coaches or related through marriage. So in other words, there are 63 coaches in the NFL who have a relative or in-law also working in the NFL. 53 of those 63 coaches are white coaches. That's a lot of data. Here are a few conclusions we can draw from taking an objective look at that data. First of all, black coaches are generally pretty well represented as assistant coaches. The percentage of black players in the NFL has fluctuated somewhere between 54 and 72% over the last 33 years since the first black head coach, Art Shell, was hired. So, you know, there are times in the league was as low as 54%. So if you had 35% black assistant coaches, that's actually a pretty fair representation. But since the time since Art Shell broke through, white coaches have accounted for 84% of the new hires. And black coaches make up less than 12% of the new hires. So, again, black coaches are generally well represented as assistant coaches, but that's not necessarily translating into head coaches' roles. Second, as you move up the tiers of power, there is less representation. That is not the case with black GMs at the moment because there's been a surge in black general manager hires, but that has been overwhelmingly the trend over the last 30 years. Third thing, black coaches wait longer to get their first job on average. The average age of a first-time black head coach, 53.6 years old, the average age of a white head coach in their first job, 48.9 years old. So almost a five-year difference. Now, we also mentioned that some of these black coaches are former players that are starting their career later because they were still playing football. But that argument kind of goes out the window. We consider that the average NFL experience of first-time black head coaches is 23 years, and for first-time white head coaches, it's 16 years. And one of the other things that's interesting is that 
there is absolutely no gap in the performance of black and white coaches over the last 33 years. When you take all the black coaches that have had jobs, all 24, and compare it to all white coaches in the NFL during that time, the winning percentage for black head coaches in the regular season, 503. White head coaches, 505. Playoff appearance rate for black head coaches, right at 40%. White head coaches, 36%. Wins per season, at 7.75 for black head coaches and 7.71 for white head coaches. So, virtually identical. Average tenure, 4.5 years for the average black head coach, 5.68 years for the average white head coach. Despite the fact that the winning percentages, wins per season, are almost identical, and the playoff appearance rate is higher for black coaches. There's no gap in performance between black and white coaches. The numbers, as you can see, are almost identical. So why then are black coaches getting fired more often than white coaches despite winning records? And why are black coaches much less likely, according to the NFL's own data, to get a second head coaching opportunity. When the NFL started tracking this data after the, at the beginning of the 2012 season, there were 104 white coaches that received at least a second opportunity to work as an offense coordinator or defense coordinator on an NFL team. Only 24 people of color, and that includes other minorities, received a similar second opportunity during the same period. So again, there is much less likelihood for black coaches to be rehired and coordinator and head coaching positions. Although I do feel that trend is changing because a lot of these black head coaches, when they're getting fired, are getting coordinator jobs immediately. So let me give you a few case studies that really help drive this point home. First case study, Steve Wilkes for the Arizona Cardinals. Fired after a 3-13 and season in 2018 and replaced with Cliff Kingsbury. Now, Cliff Kingsbury was fired from Texas Tech that same offseason. He had just two winning seasons in six years and an overall record of 35-40. and 40. Wilkes was fired after one year, starting a rookie quarterback in Josh Rosen behind an offensive line that had so many injuries that by the end of the year, they were starting multiple players that they literally signed off the street. 3-13, and 13, fired after one year, replaced with a coach with a losing record in college who had just been fired. I don't understand. Going back a little further, Jim Caldwell. I know you're thinking about Jim Caldwell's tenure with the Lions, but let's go back to Jim Caldwell's tenure with the Colts. His first season with the Colts, 14-2 record, lost Super Bowl. Next year, 10-6, lost in the first round. Third year, Peyton Manning has neck surgery. They go 2-14. He's fired. With an overall record of 26-22, two playoff appearances, one Super Bowl appearance in an AFC Championship game. Fired for three seasons. All because Peyton Manning had a bum neck. Let's not forget about Jim Caldwell's tenure with the Detroit Lions. 11-5 year one, 7-9 year two, 9-7 year three, 9-7 year four. Fired. Three winning seasons in four years, two playoff appearances, fired. Replaced by Matt Patricia, who absolutely destroyed the franchise. Twice Jim Caldwell's been fired after having a winning record overall with the franchise. I, I just don't understand. And Caldwell has not worked as a head coach since. Then you have Lovey Smith. Now, Lovey Smith did have a long tenure with the Chicago Bears, um, but he was fired from the Bears after a 10-6 season in 2012 in which they missed the playoffs. But in nine years, he had five winning seasons, made an NFC Championship game and a Super Bowl, so he had an NFC title. In his last three seasons, they went 29-19. He finished with an overall record of 81-63 and was still fired. 
And I didn't mention this, but Jim Caldwell had an overall record of 36-28 and 28 with the Lions. Fired. Both after winning seasons. And the beloved Tony Dungy. Fired after a 9-7 and seven season that included a second straight loss in the wild card round. And that was his third consecutive winning season and third straight playoff appearance. And he only had two, he only had, excuse me, one losing season in six years and made the playoffs four out of six years. The other year he went 8-8. Eight and eight. And he was the first coach in franchise history with a winning record. So the Bucks hadn't had a winning record in 17 years prior to Dungy's tenure. They get rid of him. And then John Gruden wins the Super Bowl the next year in 2002 with Dungy's players and the defensive scheme that he popularized, the Tampa 2, along with Monty Kiffin. And Gruden gets credit for that Super Bowl. Then we go on to Denny Green. So the Vikings bought out Green's contract after his first losing season in 2001. And if you're familiar with NBA, you know that buying out someone's contract is essentially firing them without paying them all the money they're due. (laughs) Green had eight winning seasons that included playoff appearances in 10 years, only one losing season, and a career record of 97 and 62 with the Vikings, fired after his first losing season in 10 years. Then moving back a little bit longer, we go back to Art Shell in the 90s. He was fired by the LA Raiders after four winning seasons in six years, three playoff appearances, and winning records in each of his last two years, fired after nine and seven year. Again, I just gave you five coaches that were fired after playoff appearances, Super Bowl appearances, AFC NFC championships, and overall winning records from their franchises. Now, that's not unique. You always have coaches that get fired from winning franchises. Um, a great example is John Fox, who after I believe it was a 13-win season, was fired by the Denver Broncos, and the very next year they went on to win a Super Bowl. So John Fox finishes with four playoff appearances, a 7-19 winning percentage, and he's let go by the Broncos and replaced with Gary Kubek, who immediately went to Super Bowl. So it's not only black coaches that get released despite having success in the field, but again, there's just this pattern I gave you out of 24 head coaches. I just gave you five that were released from their teams despite winning records and playoff appearances in the last few years that they were there. And I have a hard time making sense of it. And that doesn't even include Brian Flores, who was fired after winning season. So I just gave you out of 24 head coaches in NFL history, one-fourth of them were fired from their jobs after winning seasons. Let that marinate for a second. Now let me add to that one more case study. The 2020 offseason. So the 2020 Super Bowl included three black coordinators. And I say 2020 Super Bowl. It was actually the 2021 Super Bowl, but it was a Super Bowl for the 2020 season. So there are three black coordinators that took part in the Super Bowl. Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. None of them were awarded head coaching jobs that offseason. That is a complete historic outlier. You have to go all the way back to 2015 for the last time that neither Super Bowl team had a coordinator hired. And that was Super Bowl between the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. And Carolina DC Sean McDermott got a head coaching job the following year in the coaching cycle when he was hired by the Bills. So if you go back again, I just have to emphasize this. Going back to coordinators, this year, Kevin O'Connell, Rams OC, was named head coach of the Vikings. 2019, Robert Sala gets the Jets jobs after leading the 49ers defense. 2018, Brian Flores and Joe Judge, Judge is the special teams coordinator, 
Flores was the linebackers coach. They both get HC jobs after New England wins the Super Bowl in 2018. Frank Reich gets the Colts job after the Eagles win the Super Bowl in 2017. And Matt Patricia, the New England D.C. that he beat, got the Lions job replacing <clears throat> Jim Caldwell. And then in 2016, Kyle Shanahan from our beloved Falcons got the 49ers job after a Super Bowl run in Atlanta with a historically good offense. 2021, three black coordinators in the Super Bowl, none get head coaching jobs. You tell me that doesn't look funny. So let me put a bow on this. Black coaches are clearly fighting an uphill battle. Assistant coaches are underrepresented relative to the number of players. Head coaches are underrepresented relative to the number of assistant coaches. And historically, blacks in front office positions are underrepresented relative to the rest of the league. And, and this is the big one where it really shows, black coaches are much more likely to be fired despite at least moderate, or in some cases like Denny Green and Tony Dungy, high, high-level success. And I guess the real question is, why? And I asked that question realizing that there is no one answer. Like, I don't think that the NFL is colluding to exclude black coaches and to keep black coaches out of the game. I don't. And every circumstance is different. Sometimes they don't want, sometimes a team might not want to hire a black coach because if he doesn't do well, they don't want to be considered racist they let him go. That could be a real issue, especially if he's an unproven coach. Or maybe there's an overall decline in the team's direction underneath an established coach, and they just think the team needs a new voice. That that does happen. Or maybe there's a change in team leadership, like what happened with the Lions, and the new GM wants to hire his own guy. They got, in a, they got a GM that was affiliated with New England. He went and got a New England guy. And these are all possible reasons. But I just gave multiple examples of firings that range from head-scratching to downright mind-boggling that involve black coaches. And so you still see this pattern of black coaches getting the short end of the stick despite having the same success as white coaches. The solution, there's not one clean fix. We know that. But I do think there are two trends that can change things. First of all is more black front office members. Because if you have black owners and black GMs that continue the same patterns of hiring and firing that we see from overwhelmingly white leadership, then we can definitively rule out race as the precipitating factor in these transactions. We can then say, okay, the black people in leadership aren't hiring these coaches either. Maybe there's another real issue. Right now, since the NFL has zero black owners, and has not had a black owner in league history, can't really say that. So it's be interesting to see what guys like Terry Fontenot and Ryan Poles do. Now, those guys already have coaches in place, but will they hire more black assistant coaches? If they survive the coaching change, will they interview more black candidates? I don't know. And this brings up one more point that I need to address very clearly. People keep ranting and raving about how they want equality in and into this racial discrimination in NFL's hiring practices. But very few people are willing to give you a tangible measure of what that looks like. Because as we learned in high school, goals need to be measurable and attainable. So one of the questions that I have is, what will be a satisfactory hiring threshold to appease people that think there's discriminatory practices in the NFL's retention, hiring, and firing processes? Which, as we've clearly seen, there are. But what's the measure of success in this area? Is when black coaches have the same average tenure length in their first job as white coaches? That would be a good indicator. Would it be to see the black coordinators 
hired at the same rate as white coordinators? Yeah. And so I guess what I'm asking is, what are the tangible measurements? Because without some tangible goal, we're really just speaking a lot of hot air and throwing a lot of platitudes and in some ways virtue signaling. Hey, equality, racial equality and coaching hires, diversity, it's good. Well, what does it look like? And I think we have to have tangible goals in place for what we want to see the NFL get to. Here's one of the things I want to make very clear. In researching this, my takeaway was that there are a lot of very qualified black coaches that aren't being given the same opportunities or the same time to build and succeed that white coaches are. And it's blatantly obvious. And that's a problem. And I guess the ultimate goal here is it's not necessarily just to get more black coaches. It's to make sure that the qualified coaches are getting the opportunities that they should. There is no reason Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach in the NFL. And don't tell me that it's because maybe he doesn't interview well. Because if you heard Dan Campbell's first speech with the Lions after he was hired, where he's talking about biting kneecaps and all kinds of other ridiculous nonsense, don't tell me that guy was a great interview. <laughs> okay, I'm not buying that. And I see someone like Nathaniel Hackett, OC for the Green Bay Packers, who just got hired to be the head coach of the Broncos, has a resume that is much less accomplished than Eric Bieniemy's, which, by the way, includes a Super Bowl appearance and another Super Bowl win. Oh, oh but, 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 but Eric Bieniemy didn't call plays. Andy Reid does. Um, Nathaniel Hackett didn't call plays for Green Bay. Matt LaFleur does. So that argument goes out the window. And yet Eric Bieniemy is still on the sidelines in Kansas City while Nathaniel Hackett is a head coach. Again, I don't understand. So in the meantime, the NFL needs to own the fact that it has sucked at creating any semblance of equity in attiring or retention practices with black coaches. The data supports it. We can only hope that the next generation of general managers like Terry Fontenot, Ryan Poles, these other guys we've mentioned, can reverse that trend. Hopefully this has been informative for you. I know it was for me. It's been great to do this research and to learn this information. This has been Dave Bethay with the Title Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.